the share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He's here! Oh my god! Okay, wait. Okay, shit. Oh shit, okay. This is the Rogie Report. News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. Robert Bigelow says that aliens are right under people's noses. In an exclusive interview with George Knapp, he explains. I know of a really good, high-quality researcher who has a fantastic academic uh, credentials and background, and he would be predisposed to the latter, saying that, yeah, they could be among us, you know, and so and and uh, but he's probably on the more extreme. He's definitely on the more extreme. Others would say, well, we're safe in saying that there's hardware, you know, so that's among us in a hardware kind of context. And the discarnate entities call them spirits, whatever it was that was at the ranch, the spirits that you're going to be investigating through Bix, they could be among us, too. <clears throat> well, if you if you follow the literature and Pay attention to a lot of other kinds of sources. They absolutely are. So they're already here. 
Could spooky action at a distance create a perfect clock? According to a new article on Space.com, physicists say yes, possibly. Scientists say they will be able to create a close to precise clock that will be able to detect disturbances in space-time or to find dark matter. Over the past decade, researchers have developed optical clocks that are a hundred times more precise than cesium atomic clocks. The findings were published on December 16th in the Journal of Nature. As if there's not enough Starlink satellites already, on February 4th, SpaceX will be launching back-to-back Starlink missions, sending off two batches of 60 Starlink Internet satellites on two different Falcon 9 rockets. The company is planning on launching 40 rockets between its California and Florida launch sites this year. Starlink's Internet program will connect users around the world to affordable Internet for remote and rural areas. After Thursday's launch, it will bring the total of Starlink satellites to 1,000. Are some people more likely to have supernatural encounters? A new study shows that two psychological factors may influence supernatural encounters. In a new study published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, over 2,000 people across the United States, Guana, Thailand, and China were interviewed and surveyed. What were the two factors? Porosity, which is the degree that people view their internal mind and the outside world as permeable and absorption which references how much individuals tend to lose themselves in sensory experiences this has been the rogie report news on the fringe fm i'm jess rogie Broadcasting live from sunny Southern California, this is the Rogie Report, where we talk about the topics that interest you, from UAPs, conspiracies, current events, science, and the unrevealed. We cover it all here and more on the Rogie Report. So let's get ready to explore this weird and strange reality we live in. I'm your host, Jess Rogie, and you're listening to the Fringe FM KTLK Digital Broadcasting. Tonight, do I have the most amazing show for you. Back in October of 2017, Oumuamua, the first interstellar traveler, was detected passing through our solar system. And this interstellar object could quite possibly be extraterrestrial technology, possibly answering the age-old question, are we alone? Now, tonight, joining me is Abraham Avi Loeb. He is the Frank B. Beard, <laughs> Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University, the Director of the Institute for Theory and Computation, 
founding director of the Black Hole Initiative, chair of the Breakthrough Starshot Advisory Committee, and chair on the Board of Physics and Astronomy in National Academies, and former member of the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology, and the longest-serving chair on Harvard's astronomy department from 2011 to 2020. He's also the author of over 800 scientific papers and five books, including his newest book, Extraterrestrial. And in 2012, Time named him one of the 25 most influential people in space. I want to give a very warm welcome to Avi Loeb. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I am so excited to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is amazing. I am so honored. I just finished the book last night. And I've been sitting here and I feel like I've been learning from you for the past week. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, it took me a while to learn these facts. And uh, in fact, to learn astronomy, I um, was not interested at a young age in astronomy. I was interested mostly in philosophy. I grew up on a farm, uh, collected eggs every afternoon and uh, was uh, reading philosophy books after driving the tractor to the hills. And circumstances brought me to astrophysics and um, I had to learn the vocabulary. I didn't know much. But uh, I'm still very deeply interested in the biggest questions we have. And one of them, as you mentioned, is, are we alone? But in fact, there is a bigger question. Are we the smartest kid in the, on the block? You know, I'm pretty sure that we are not alone because um, what we find here on Earth apparently um, exists in many other places within the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, we now know that about uh, half of the sun-like stars have a planet the size of the Earth, roughly at the same separation. And, you know, the physical conditions on billions of planets in the Milky Way galaxy are similar to those on Earth. So if you range for similar circumstances, why not get similar outcomes? And the, the, the only question is, you know, are we the smartest kid on the block or maybe there are more sophisticated the technological civilizations near us? Yes. So how let's talk about how Amuamua kind of broke open this new this new thought for you. Right. So let me first mention that uh, for decades, um, astronomers were looking for radio signals. And, you know, since uh, radio technology was developed uh, 70 years ago, um, astronomers started the uh, looking for radio signals from the sky because the idea was if we are transmitting perhaps some other civilizations are transmitting but listening to radio signals is just like speaking on the phone uh, you need the other side to be alive when to have a conversation uh, and we know that on earth for example we cannot have a phone conversation with the mayan culture you know the mayans uh, existed in the past they are not around anymore and uh, the only thing we, we know about them is from uh, uh, relics that they left behind. And so we can do archaeology in space. In principle, we can find relics that were left behind by civilizations that are not around anymore over the entire age of the galaxy, billions of years ago. Uh, and actually, most of the stars in the Milky Way that look like the sun 
formed before the sun. And uh, therefore, they might have had civilizations like ours already that uh, sent out probes into space, just like we did. Voyager 1, Voyager 2, um, New Horizons that would leave the solar system eventually. Uh, so you can imagine space being filled with debris, relics from old civilizations that may not be around anymore. And in principle, it's instead of speaking on the phone, it's just like getting a, a letter in the mail. Uh, if the postal service like USPS is very slow, uh, you know, the person that sent the letter may not be alive anymore. And uh, the same is true about the relics that we could find. So um, for the first time in 2017, as you mentioned, uh, there was the very first visitor to the solar system that was spotted near Earth. Um, and it's it was called the Oumuamua because... Um, it was discovered by a telescope in Hawaii, and uh, Oumuamua means a scout or a messenger from far away. And uh, when it was discovered, most astronomers thought it, it must be a comet because it was probably ejected from another star system, uh, just like uh, uh, our solar system, except... Um, uh, farther away and the, you know, the outskirts of the solar system include a lot of rocks that are covered with ice and uh, every now and then they come close to the sun and, and appear as comets. So uh, when they warm up, gas uh, comes out of them because uh, of the ices that cover them and we see it as a cometary tail. The only problem is this object did not show a cometary tail and uh, the Spitzer Space Telescope looked very deeply around it and couldn't see anything, no gas, no dust, no carbon-based molecules, and to a very significant uh, limit. And so um, it was clear that it's not a comet. So astronomers said, okay, well, maybe it's just rock that doesn't evaporate when it comes close to the sun and heats up. But as the object was tumbling, the amount of sunlight that it reflected changed by a factor of 10. And just imagine a piece of paper tumbling in the wind. Um, the area that you see has to change by a factor of 10. That's quite a lot. And it means that the object that you're looking at has a very extreme geometry. And actually, the best fit to the variation of the light was that of a flat object, just like a piece of paper, uh, a pancake-shaped object, not cigar-shaped the way it was depicted in, in a famous cartoon. Uh, so here you have it, a, a flat object uh, reflecting sunlight with an extreme geometry, no cometary tail. Uh, at that point, I wasn't still clear that it may be something that is not natural, but, but then uh, it showed one additional peculiar fact, which is that there was an excess push on this object from some mysterious force. Uh, in addition to the sun's gravity attracting the object to the sun, there was some other force pushing it uh, away. And usually such a force is from the rocket effect. When you have a comet, gas evaporates and pushes the object in the other direction. But there was no gas. So what gave it this extra push? Uh, the only thing I could think of was reflection of sunlight, just like a sail. Uh, Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. 
I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? <laughs> no, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. If you imagine a sail on a boat that reflects the wind and gets pushed, uh, the same phenomenon can happen if um, uh, sunlight is bouncing off the surface of a sail. Except nature doesn't make sails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it may be artificial. Uh, and that's what brought me into this uh, suggestion that uh, it may be artificial. And after we wrote that paper in 2018, of course, there was a lot of media attention. And in the last couple of years, uh, there were astronomers trying to give uh, other types of explanations that associate the object with a natural source. But the people that attended to the details of, of Oumuamua always came up with something that we have never seen before. Uh, for example, there was a suggestion that maybe it's a dust bunny, the kind of a collection of dust particles that you find at home, uh, except it had to be a cloud the size of a football field and a hundred times less dense than air. So very fluffy. And the, the idea is that if it reflects sunlight, it has a large area for its weight and it can be pushed. Something like that would not survive the journey. It's not likely to survive the journey. There was another suggestion that it may be frozen hydrogen. So when it evaporates, hydrogen is transparent and you wouldn't see the cometary tail. Uh, that again doesn't quite work, work out because um, it's very easy to uh, evaporate hydrogen. So it would not survive the journey in interstellar space uh, as it absorbs starlight. We showed that uh, through a detailed calculation. And so, so altogether, the ideas that were proposed were of something that we have never seen before. Nobody could explain the object in terms of the familiar objects that we have seen in the solar system, like comets or asteroids. So... Um, in my mind, it still uh, is a very strong argument that perhaps it's indeed something that we have never seen before that is artificial. And it's the same as the experience of walking on the beach. Most of the time you see rocks that are naturally produced, but every now and then you stumble across a plastic bottle and it tells you that there is a civilization out there. Ooh, yes. That, no, I like that. I like that analogy. I, so when you started to bring this out into you know, the scientific community and, and academia, um, you know, I understand that it's very conservative. So how, how have you been able to kind of you know, break through that barrier? And <laughs> I couldn't really, um, I, you know, like I couldn't convince people that uh, it, indeed it's worthwhile considering an artificial uh, origin and 
there is there is a lot of pushback in the mainstream uh, to this idea. I should say that also a few months ago, uh, in September 2020, there was another object that showed the extra push away from the sun without a cometary tail. And it turns out this one was traced back to a rocket booster from 1966 that was kicked into space. Uh, and indeed, it, it was hollow and very thin. So we know that we can tell the difference from a rock and an artificial object. Uh, except in the case of this object, the rocket booster, we know that we produced it. In the case of Oumuamua, we don't know who produced it. Uh, and I should mention an anecdote. Uh, there was a seminar about Oumuamua at uh, Harvard University. And when it ended, I left the room together with a colleague of mine that worked on rocks for many decades. And he said, this object is so weird, I wish it never existed. Uh, and I was quite surprised and appalled at this because we should be happy at whatever nature gives us. And in fact, if something doesn't quite line up with what we expected, it's good news because it's nature's way of telling us that we have to revise our preconception. We have to think differently. And uh, of course, most astronomers prefer to stay in their comfort zone and not consider an artificial origin. And and there was a lot of resistance to my uh, suggestion. But um, at the same time, if you look at the, the, the theoretical physics community, they are discussing a lot of ideas that do not even have a connection to experiments or evidence, such as uh, the multiverse or extra dimensions or string theory. These are celebrated as mainstream activities. People are doing mathematical gymnastics about these concepts, but they do not connect to any uh, evidence. And um, I find it surprising that it could be mainstream, even though these ideas are completely speculative, whereas I don't think that the technological signatures are speculative at all. I think given that we exist and given that so many billions of planets in the Milky Way alone are have conditions similar to, to those on Earth, I don't think that we are special or unique. We are probably very common, uh, things like us. Now, it's possible that you know things like us do not live for very long because we develop technologies that will eventually kill us. But nevertheless, we can find relics of those civilizations that launched uh, space uh, relics. So... That's, so I wanted to ask you, you know, do you think, because you do mention in the book, do you believe that the humanity, like the scientific community, the lay people, are we ready to accept that we are not alone, that oh, there is life out there? The general public is definitely ready. The general public is extremely interested. And I think uh, the heart of the general public is in the right place. But the scientific community is not willing to discuss it. There is a taboo. And uh, you may ask why. Uh, and there could be several reasons. You know, one, that uh, if you admit that there could be, uh, you know, a smarter kid on the block, then it hurts your ego. You know, I remember when my daughters were very young, they tended to think that the world centers on them and they were at home. And so they thought that they are the smartest around. And when they went to the kindergarten, they saw other kids and they got a different perspective. And 
obviously in terms of their ego, it would have been better for them to stay at home and not meet anyone. And many, many people have this uh, instinctive uh, approach of, of not looking for evidence so that they can feel uh, flattered for being unique and special. And you know, it started with uh, the Greek philosopher Aristotle that argued that we are at the center of the universe. And uh, that's very flattering to our ego to be at the center of the universe, but it's just wrong. We are not. And uh, Galileo and Copernicus realized that the earth moves around the sun. So, you know, we can think about beautiful ideas about how important we are, but the reality may be very different. And of course, the resistance to go out and search. I mean, people say you need extraordinary evidence before we will even consider or contemplate a discussion on extraterrestrial intelligence or technology. So they want me to bring an alien and so that the, that alien will shake their hand and only then they will accept the, you know, the legitimacy of discussing it. I find it very strange because, uh, you know, I don't think we need extraordinary evidence. We just need evidence that something is unusual and then we should explore it further and collect more data. So, for example, in the case of Oumuamua, we see an object that doesn't quite look like what we have seen before. Doesn't look like a comet, doesn't look like an asteroid. It's the first object that came from outside the solar system. Okay, so let's look more carefully at it and figure out whether it's a plastic bottle or a natural rock. And the way to do that is if we were smart enough when it was passing through, we could have done it then. But uh, it was too late by the time we realized that it's weird. It's or, it was already on its way out uh, the front door into the dark street. And so um, we can look for other objects like it. You know, when I visit the kitchen and I see an ant, mm-hmm. um, I, I know that there must be a lot of ants around if I look just at a small portion of the kitchen. So, you know, we looked for a few years with the Panstars telescope at the sky and we found Oumuamua. But if we continue to look for a few more years, we will find more. And then if we see one that is approaching us, instead of receding away from us, we can send a camera that will get close to it and take a photograph. And a picture is worth a thousand words. There will be no argument when you have a picture and something looks different than a rock. Then there will be no way to dispute that. And I, I'm, I'm very much in favor of collecting evidence, but those that say that it's always rocks and it's never aliens, those people are not interested in collecting evidence. They think they know the answer in advance. And it's just like the philosophers during the days of Galileo. They didn't want to look through his telescope. They put him in a house arrest and they were convinced that the sun moves around the earth. So what did that achieve? It just maintained their ignorance because they didn't look through the telescope. They put him in house arrest. But the earth continued to move around the sun. Reality doesn't really care about whether we ignore it or not. No, that's, that, that's true. That's, it's just the truth. It's what the truth is and what science is is, is what happens. So, right. you don't, so we are not unique in the galaxy, but you believe that Oumuamua is incredibly unique. Yeah. Well, I believe that uh, it may be just like a plastic bottle on the beach. You know, it may be a relic of a civilization that uh, that's why it's so weird. Uh, Perhaps it's a light sail that was designed to be a light sail or just a surface layer of a spacecraft that was torn apart. I'm 
I'm not sure exactly what its nature because we didn't get enough uh, data on it. But uh, it, it's, uh, I think the importance of Oumuamua is that it should alert us to look at future objects that enter the solar system and look at the weird ones, those that doesn't quite uh, match what we expect. There was another interstellar object discovered a couple of years later called Borisov. It was discovered by a Russian amateur astronomer, uh, Gennady Borisov, and it looked just like a comet. It was nothing different from a typical comet that we see in the solar system. So then people came to me and said, well, Borisov looks natural. Doesn't that convince you that Oumuamua was also natural? To which I said that two things, you know, if you go on the beach and you see a plastic bottle and after that you see a lot of rocks, it doesn't make the plastic bottle a rock, right? Mm. Or another way to put it is, you know, in the first date I, when I met my wife, uh, she looked special to me mm. and I met a lot of people afterwards. It, it didn't change my impression of her. So um, the <laughs> point is, uh, there is no connection between uh, Borisov and Oumuamua. And uh, we should just check every object that we can identify that came into the solar system from outside. And, you know, it saves us the trip. Instead of us going far away to distant locations, that takes a long time to do. Uh, we can just look at our backyard and look at the objects that enter our backyard from the, the street. And uh, these objects, like Oumuamua, they traveled for a long time. You know, it took them... It took Oumuamua more than 10,000 years to cross the entire solar system. So it was traveling for a long time. Instead of us making the trip, we can just look at things that come to us uh, from outside. Wow. Wow. So we have to take a quick, a quick little break here, but we'll be right back with Avi and Loeb, and we're going to be continuing the talk on Oumuamua. suffered in silence or experienced stress from a paranormal experience, even if it happened 20 years ago when thinking or talking about it today still makes you feel sick to your stomach or makes your heart beat faster or you suddenly can't breathe. Maybe you even feel those old familiar signs of a panic attack trying to reach the surface. You could have unprocessed emotional responses. Those reactions of terror and trauma are no different than living through a horrible assault, childhood abuse, or a terrible car accident. It can be nearly impossible to find help. The very instance of seeing a ghost or encountering a cryptid could be clinically described as seeing or hearing things that aren't there. You could be considered psychotic, or at best, you're just not taken seriously. Out of a growing mountain of research, the National Institute for Integrative Healthcare showed that 8 out of 10 veterans who completed just 6 one-hour EFT sessions no longer tested positive for PTSD. If you've had paranormal trauma, you can contact Metaphorical Archaeology by calling 214-995-3754. Again, that's 214-995-3754 for a discreet consultation. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Okay, I'm going to say that. 
Hey, Fringe listeners, Dave Cruz here, reminding you that Beyond the Strange airs live Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Eastern Time, right here on The Fringe FM. BTS is your one-stop shop for the paranormal, the bizarre, and most of all, the strange. Join me and co-host Black Sky Paranormals, Russ Bailey, as we discuss topics such as aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, and much more. Also, we talk with profound guests, authors, researchers from all over the world, and we take your calls live on the air. Go to beyondthestrange.com and learn more about the show, guests, times, free registration for our newsletter, merch, and much more. Again, that's Beyond the Strange, Monday evenings, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. And as always, stay strange. Hi, folks. These uncertain times can cause uncertain gut slowdown. Worry and fear can wreak havoc on our digestion, making it hard to feel optimum. Bloating, less energy, and occasional constipation can slow you down in your daily activity. Try Life Change Tea to get the tea.com. Life Change Tea can help get things moving so you can get that boost of energy you need. Life Change Tea helps protect and defend your health from intruders. It's a weird time right now with all the uncertainty, so gear up and defend your health. Where do you go to purchase? Log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. The specials are on the front page, and we have numerous supplements to help combat intruders. It's time to take charge of our health and to feel better in life. It's time to live. Again, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Getthetea.com. It is so worth it. Getthetea.com. Telepath is a weekly digital newsletter filled with the latest paranormal news, trending topics, and fresh articles from some of the most popular critical thinkers in the community today. Stay informed on your favorite paranormal podcasts and live streaming talk shows. Interact with the telepath and upload your paranormal story or pics. It could be featured in an upcoming edition. Sign up right now for the free telepath newsletter at paranormal.radio. That's paranormal.radio. You are hearing the sound between that which is above and that which is below. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.
and we are back with Avi Loeb. His new book, Extraterrestrial, The First Signs of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth. And this book just came out last week, right? Uh oh, are you frozen? No! Shoot. I've, I think, oh no, are you there? Can you hear me? Uh oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were frozen. I didn't realize you were asking me. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, can definitely, I can definitely hear you. Awesome. I'm so sorry. No, we were just talking real quick during the break, and your book just released last week. Right. And it's doing amazing. It's What is it at right now? Well, it, today the New York Times uh, bestseller list came out, and uh, it's number seven for the first week of its appearance. And, uh, it sold more copies than Michelle Obama, but less than uh, Barack Obama. Hey, who knows? We still got time. We still got time. I mean, I have I have this book. I also have the Kindle. I also have the audiobook. So I've got three versions. Uh, I should say that the reason that the book is doing so well and is because the public is really starved on this uh, subject by scientists. You know, the <laughs> scientists are not willing to discuss it much, and and here I am. Uh, you know, open-minded, they're willing to consider that possibility. And I, I very much hope that it will be the wave of the future, that uh, we will bring it to the mainstream of science so that um, this uh, question that we were asking at the beginning will be addressed by scientists uh, on a routine basis. If the public is interested in it so much, uh, why would the scientists shy away from it? You know, the, the public funds science and astronomers have telescopes that can look for technological signatures, and they should do it. Now, I know that, you know, a lot of people, when I announced that I was going to have you on the show, this was the first time I've gotten so many messages from people saying, congratulations, oh my God, I'm living vicariously through you tonight, Jess, as you talk to him. Like, I've never, like, this has just been such an amazing, amazing talk. I'm just... I, I know we have time for maybe one or two more questions, so I'm just trying to focus and figure out which way I want to go with this. Um, Please, go ahead. Why, why, I mean, I guess, why do you think there's been such a shift? Is it just as people have grown and changed, new generations? No, I don't, I don't think, well, I don't think there is a shift in the scientific community. And in part, I wrote this book in order to make that shift in the culture, because I think this subject is extremely important. It will make a huge difference for society if we find an answer for it, especially if the answer is positive. And, you know, we, we could learn from technologies that we find on the sky, because they would be far more advanced than ours. And it will feel like copying in an exam, but on the other hand, if it saves us a million years of development, it's worth it. I mean, it, I mean, it's it, it could be. It just it's just I'm just at a loss for words right now. <laughs> well, one thing is clear that whatever we find would be uh, shocking for us because even if it's uh, biological creatures, you know, the most of the stars are smaller than the sun. Most of the stars in the galaxy and. Uh, the nearest one is Proxima Centauri. It's four light years away, and it has roughly half the surface temperature of the sun, so it emits mostly infrared radiation. And if there are any creatures on the habitable planet next to it, which is called the Proxima B, uh, they have infrared eyes. 
So they must look very different than us. We have eyes that can see visible light because that's what the sun supplies us with. Uh, and it's important for survival. We can detect that light and escape from dangers as a result. Uh, but near a star like Proxima B, you, the advantage would be to have infrared eyes. Who knows how they look like? Uh, but it may also explain why they don't come to visit us, because um, interstellar tourist agencies would never advertise Earth as a destination that is desirable for them, because uh, with their infrared eyes, they enjoy the view of dark red grass. Uh, they don't like to be on vacation with green grass like we have <laughs> in our vacation spots. So they will never come to visit us unless we go there and entice them with a water-based uh, drink to come here. <laughs> I have a question from the chat for you from, from Night Stalker. He says, have you imagined what an alien civilization would look like that would have technology like Oumuamua? Right. So um, we, we don't actually know what was the purpose of Oumuamua. Uh, one other peculiar fact about it that I didn't have a chance to, to describe is that it was uh, sitting at rest in the so-called local standard of rest, which is uh, a frame of reference that you get to after you average the motions of all the stars in the vicinity of the sun. Sort of like a local public parking lot. And we found a car parked there. Or another way to think of it, like a buoy on the surface of the ocean that sits still. And mm. then the solar system was just like a giant ship that uh, ran into it and gave it a kick. Uh, and why was it sitting in that frame of reference? It's not clear in the local standard of rest. I discuss it in my book. And uh, there are several possibilities. Uh, I mean, only one in 500 stars is so much at rest in that frame. And one possibility is that you have a grid of those objects and they, they serve as signposts uh, for navigation. So they, if you were to navigate in interstellar space and these objects make a grid, they allow you to localize yourself, to know your coordinates. Another possibility is that they serve as relay stations for communication. Mm. Uh, but we don't really know. Uh, and until we take a photograph or examine one of these objects carefully and, and see that it's uh, indeed artificial and try to figure out what, what it means, only then we will start to learn something about whoever made it. Uh, before we have that, we can only imagine things. Um, so at this point, you know, the, the thing to do is find more of the same, more objects like it, and then get as much data as possible on those. So one quote you said is, when you're not ready to find exceptional things, you will never discover them. And this, this is the big exceptional thing. And, you know, I'm so excited and I feel honored to talk to you and be able to go a little deeper into this subject with you. And, you know, I think that, you know, I've noticed you've been out there and you have been, you're, if you Google your name right now, it's just articles, you just pages and pages of articles. And you have been making all these appearances. And I feel like maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's, you know, so you can help, you know, expand the thought and, you know, share this knowledge that you have and spread it out there to everybody. Well, that's exactly my objective. Um, 
I, I'm t- trying to take advantage of the attention that there is and, and to the book and and um, and advocate for the right things. That uh, I think the situation right now is not healthy in science. The, uh, in academia, more generally, that people are more focused on demonstrating that they are smart and less focused on trying to understand nature. And what could be more important than figuring out if if there are aliens out there? You know that that is the most exciting question that we can answer. And somehow it's being pushed to the sidelines. And uh, I just think that the scientific community is exactly on the opposite side of where it should be, trying to change that. Uh, the public is obviously extremely interested. And over the past few weeks, I had uh, more than 100 interviews. And uh, Wow. <laughs> I mean, every day, you know, I usually wake up at 5 a.m. and jog uh, to the local woods and in the company of rabbits, uh, ducks, and birds. Um, I enjoy that much more than, than crowds of people. Uh, and then uh, starting at 8 a.m., usually up to, to uh, 9 p.m. Or, or 10 p.m., I have uh, interviews back to back. And that has been my experience over the past few weeks. It was a surprise. I didn't expect it to be that intense, but I, I'm trying to do my best. Uh, I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning so that I can accommodate most of the requests. And tomorrow I have to wake up... Uh, around 2 a.m. because uh, on Friday morning I will appear um, in Good Morning Britain. Um, oh, wow. So all of these, you know, all of these uh, opportunities um, allow me to express or advocate for what's important. You know, and I try, I'm trying to make the best out of it and um, uh, for the benefit of the younger people uh, so that they will be able to discuss these things uh, freely in the future. And also for the, you know, the better future of, of science and, and humanity. I, I think we have an obligation to work on things that are exciting rather than uh, uh, on, on things that we already know, you know. And um, the point is not really demonstrating that we are smart. It's trying to figure out what, what is around us, you know, and, and learning about uh, other kids on the block uh, is the most important question that humanity can examine, you know, and, because it will change everything. It will change our aspirations for the future. It will change our view about where we are in the universe and could affect religious beliefs, uh, politics, a lot of things. Uh, Today I had a discussion with uh, a group of executives that they would like to know what could be the implications of finding uh, an extraterrestrial uh, technology and and perhaps... uh, you know, one could make a profit out of the circumstances that result from that. And um, so there are lots of interesting aspects to this. And unfortunately, you know, not many people discuss them. And that's why the public is so excited. And I hope that by doing this, I will change the environment, you know, for I think, better. Yeah, I think you are. I think you are helping to make the shift in thought and help, you know, just putting it out there just plants the seed in so many people and it'll just continue to grow and go out there like a muamua. <laughs> <laughs> I think the seeds were already there. It's just that they would, they were starved, that they didn't get the nutrients, they didn't get watered. And, uh, and uh, that's why, I mean, the scientific community is ignoring it and, and dismissing it and, um, you know, ridiculing it. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm trying to, to bring it up to the, the, the front. And 
um, you know, it's similar. I mean, one of the arguments that is often made is that in science fiction uh, or in uh, reports on unidentified flying mm-hmm, objects, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, these the details. Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items like <gasps> Dave single with a 10 piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that chicken, Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary in U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. Do not stand up to the level of scientific evidence. And um, and my my reply to that is, you know, if you go back to the dark ages and people were making strange claims about the human body and the fact that we should not dissect it and make have an operation. And suppose scientists would say, you know, there are all kinds of strange things, incorrect things being said about the human body. Let's not deal with it at all. Uh, would that make any sense? Uh, we would not have modern medicine the way we have it. Science should address any topic that it has the ability to address with its instruments, with its method, uh, irrespective of how much nonsense is being said about the same subject. And so I find it strange that scientists refuse to discuss um, the search for technological signatures. And in addition to my popular level book, I have a a very long textbook of more than a thousand pages that will come out in June uh, 2021, in about half a year, written with uh, a former postdoc of mine, Manas Vilingam. And we hope that this would lay the foundation for future scientific research on this. I can't wait. Hopefully I can read it. Hopefully it's not too... uh... (laughs) No, I, it has a lot of details, but it's an expanded version of my short book, the one that just came out. This one here. <laughs> um, yeah, in a few minutes. Okay. So what can we, how can, I mean, I know people can get the book on Amazon. Um, how, I mean, are you on social media? Can people... No, I don't have any footprint <laughs> because uh, my wife asked me when we got married not to have any social media presence. So I kept my word and it saves me some time and also allows me to think uh, independently, creatively. So I, I, at first, I was a bit disappointed that I can't participate in those parties that take place on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> I don't but think you I... want to go to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I, I noticed that it's a very acidic environment and very often uh, uh, superficial, you know, and um, I just do what I think is right. And hopefully, you know, people will pay attention to it, even if I don't tweet about it. Yeah, I mean, I've tweeted about you. So you're on Twitter. I mean, I've tweeted about this show. So everybody knows. <laughs> and way, pe- I, should tell you, I should tell you an anecdote that uh, yes. I asked students in my class if uh, a spaceship would bore, uh, would come uh, to campus, would they board it uh, and, and take a trip? And and they all said yes under one condition that they will be able to share their experience on social media with their friends. And uh, I found that surprising because, you know, if I were to climb the Himalayas or to go on a spaceship with aliens, I wouldn't care less whether I share it with anyone else. I would just enjoy the thrill of doing it. Yeah, it's just, it's the experience, right? Exactly. It's the, it's the yeah, experience. it's not yeah. about 
the what do they call it? They call I don't know if you know they call it doing it for the gram, just doing it for Instagram. Like you literally just go do something for Instagram. Exactly. So it sounds like my, my students are just like that. They want to do it to impress others. Um, but then, you know, it should be really a fun uh, trip by itself without sharing it with anyone. Oh, yeah. I would go on. I don't need the social media to, to enjoy something. And, you know, it's just, too, you just see people sometimes out in public and it's all just, yes. it's experiencing yeah. life through the lens of a phone, which is not, it's not fun. Yeah. But my wife said that, uh, you know, if a spaceship ever lands in our backyard and they call me in, I should make sure that I do two things. One, uh, leave the car keys with her. Uh, <laughs> and the second, to ask them uh, not to ruin the grass, uh, the lawn in our backyard when they lift off. They're going to burn the big hole in the grass. So I have <laughs> one question from the chat room and they want to know, have you ever seen a UFO? Not myself. No, I haven't seen personally, but I, I read about a lot of reports. And by the way, my take on that, and I discussed it with, with Joe Rogan on his podcast. Yes, yes. Um, so people are obsessed with those Pentagon papers that might mm -hmm. be released, classified. And there was, a, I mean, Congress, the lawmakers uh, issued uh, a request uh, that uh, the government will release everything it has on UFOs. Yes. I think that is misguided because we, you know, all of these reports came from uh, eyewitness uh, testimony or from instruments that were mm -hmm. not really optimized for finding UFOs. So I'm much more in favor of us using the best scientific instrumentation we have, deploying cameras and uh, audio sensors, sound sensors, um, in the same locations where the reports came from and getting the best scientific evidence. So forgetting about what people talked about decades ago, they had much worse instruments. Let's just collect the best data. And, you know, that always reminds me of this uh, biblical story where Abraham, the same name as I have, Abraham uh, heard the voice of God uh, asking him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And uh, if Abraham only had uh, a cell phone and with a voice memo up on it, he would have pressed the button and recorded the voice of God. And we would all be convinced that this really happened, but he didn't have that. And when we hear stories from eyewitness testimonies, we can never be sure that they really happened and unless there are scientific instruments that record them. And so that's my, my recommendation. Let's move forward and repeat those measurements with much better instrumentation that we have now. And then uh, perhaps that will shed new light on these UFOs. So basically, that's all we have to do is just try to record the data so that we can review it. Simple, exactly. guys. <laughs> yeah. so there was actually a grassroots initiative to fund such an experiment after I talked about it with uh, Joe Rogan. Oh, is that that's not the one over? I know they're trying to do one out by Catalina. Is that the one? Have you heard oh, of that really? one? No, I, I, I'm not aware of that. But oh, I'll have to send you some info on that. I have yeah. <laughs> uh, But yes, definitely. I, I think that's the way to go the, to collect our own evidence and see if it, it means anything. Yeah, no, it's just it's one of those things. It just makes me wonder, are there they are they there? Are they real? How can we like quantify this data? And you said how? <laughs> Right. Oh, I'm so excited. Is there anything else that you'd love to add or share with the audience? You know, I think everybody's just excited to hear you talk. 
Well, uh, I, I, I just want to add that uh, I do what I do for the younger people. I, I believe yes. in the younger people because they don't carry a baggage of prejudice and they are not so attached to their egos like the older people are. And I, can, I, I see a much brighter future if, uh, you know, the interest from young people will prevail. And so my advice to the young generation is stay young. Uh, never um, abandon your childhood curiosity because that's what uh, propels us forward you know finding new things and not uh, believing that we know the answer in advance and that's pretty much what I try to convey in my book yes and I think you did and I think his my whole takeaway from the book is not only did Muamua come and change a paradigm but also it brought in like all these thoughts that you know we have to start looking differently at things you know you know in maybe 20 years they're going to look back at us and be like Wow, these people, they didn't even think we could have possibly had life out there. It's it's yeah, exactly. It's, I think I think you are exactly right and I mean there, there are many examples for that in the history of science, you know, and in, in astronomy in particular, you know, gravitational wave astrophysics, exoplanets. These are frontiers for which the Nobel Prize in physics was awarded just in recent years and for many decades they were ridiculed and nobody worked on them and and then all of a sudden, once uh, more and more people started working on them, they became mainstream. And so you are, you are exactly right. So even though now it looks as if most of the scientific community is opposed to discussing this subject, by changing the culture, we could bring it to the mainstream. Yes, yes. And that's what I, 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 I guess that's my point. That's what you're doing. You're helping to change the culture. And I'm and like people like me, shows like this, we're also helping support you to change that culture and, and, you know, and spread the idea out there so that people know, because, you know, one of my big things on my show is like, I do want to inspire the next generation, you know, the next generation of people, someone young out there listening and, you know, bringing guests like you on helps, you know, to just spark that one little mind out there or maybe more. <laughs> Well, I told my publisher that if I change, uh, the, if I, I bring one kid uh, into science as a result of reading my book, then I would be satisfied. And, uh, and thank you for your kind words. I, I really appreciate it uh, that, that you like the book. And, and I hope that the more we, people will follow and uh, we can make a difference. There is no reason why we should uh, surrender to, this, uh, to the current uh, approach that people have on, on this issue of whether we are alone or not. Let's just find out. Let's, Let's just find it. out. What, why, what, what's, it's not hurting anybody to figure it out. And exactly. humanity gets to know more about everything. Yeah, knowledge is good. Um, there is nothing bad about knowing. Uh, you can then decide what, what to do once you know things. But, but not knowing, I think, is a bad uh, policy, you know, a bad approach. If you look at human history... Um, because if you're ignorant, you just do the wrong things. Yes, and I, oh, it's just... No, I think there's, we are on, like, the precipice of this new this new thought, like um, a new renaissance in thought. And, you know, I think, you know, you're kicking it off, and that's, that's what I'm witnessing right now. And I think that's why I thought this interview is so important, because I got to witness this new thought and a renaissance in thought. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I, thank and, you. Uh, I hope we keep this conversation going after more people will read the book. 
Yes, for sure. And I do recommend everybody go out to Amazon. You can get this book on Kindle. And I tell you what, if you guys get the hardback, if you're a book nerd like me, get the hardback. The the, the book jacket is beautiful. You guys don't even know. You can't see, but it's beautiful. Um, check out the book. Thank you so much, Abby. I'm going to let you go because I know you got to go. And I'm going to take us out with the song called... Amuamua. Up next is Michael Strange. This is a song my friend wrote. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming. I'll see you later.
This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.